You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. Brrr. <laughs> it's profound to that's, start the show. Oh, it sort of sets the tone, you yeah. uh, Because that's how it feels like uh, as Matt and I road-warriored. Uh, from the south to the north to be with you today. It's cold out there. There was a lot of standing water, wasn't there? The roads were very, very wet. Standing water. Yes. <laughs> standing water. <laughs> Scientists, goodbye. The, gee, they lived quick, didn't they? They did. Oh, SKP they and Shane, they yeah. just... Maybe they've got to bail out their cars and stuff like that. Yes. Yes, there was a lot of water on the road. There's uh, been a lot of that stuff falling from the sky. And, hell, it's that time of year, yes. so... It's not like we should be surprised. No. 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 And uh, it's, That's a good thing. It's, it's the natural like a, order of things. I was going to say, it's not like yes. a, a bad thing. No. It's kind of a good thing. Yeah. Um, farmers, you happy? Should be. Uh, dams must be filling. Yes. How are you guys out there? How's your Sunday going? Are you uh, tucked in underneath the doona with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee? Yes. Your feet sticking out from the other side? There you go. Just cover them up. Are you in the car? Have you got the heater on? You probably would, wouldn't you? I reckon you would. Yeah, you would. And uh, we are here for your hour to celebrate the fact that it is winter. And, yes. And um, you know what? We've got someone to help do that. Mm. Kent. Yes. Goldsworthy. He's chopping, there he is. Up. <laughs> He's chopping up the podcast <laughs> as we speak. He's got a sixth sense, though. Because he does. He just, he just turns around and it's like, because we did sort of take his... Name. Well, you did scare him a couple of weeks ago when you snuck up behind him. I did, yeah. So he's probably yeah. um, in there. Anyway, so Ken's here to help with Talkback because, yes. believe it or not, folks, we're going to invite you to have a chat about, um, you know, said seasons and what are you doing. It's, it's that type of thing because we have been in the last few weeks banging on a bit, haven't we? We have. Yeah, we've been sort of covering issues and topics and and. and politics and that's all very good and important and worthy but we thought we'd just retreat back to the kitchen back to what makes you feel good good back to the hearth back to and and maybe that's one of the things about this time of year and that you think about the kitchen and you think about it as a way when you're in the kitchen to avoid too much heat and dare i say it that now it's like turn on the oven Yes. Oh, there's warmth coming from the stove. Oh, this is a nice place to be. Is that a bottle of red wine? <gasps> oh, and you sort of think, hey, this time of year is uh, is pretty good. And you know what? We've got mm. some people to help us do that. We've got uh, the man who is now free mm. of, uh, not that it was a particularly tiresome shackle down there in, in King Street, Raymond Capaldi, mm. uh, formerly of Heron Grace, who's a free man. Lately and of Herring Grace, yes, I would say to you. Yes, yes. lately. After five years of uh, helming the restaurant, they've decided to call it a day. Helming. Helming. Nice. Using that as a verb. I like that, helming. And now he's footloose and fancy free. He is indeed. We'll be finding out about that and who uh, better than to chat about uh, what makes uh, makes him happy. Yes. Winter makes me happy, come on. You might say it here. I don't know, um, but uh, yeah, he'll uh, he'll bring his uh, his ideas, his great knowledge and uh, and humanity to mm. the uh, the subject of uh, of that sort of a thing. And then we also have uh, waiting in the wings. We have Nick Stanton, who uh, chef around town. Yes, uh, delighted to meet him and have a chat. He yes, seems nice. can't wait to have a chat to him. He recently of uh, New Amsterdam. Yes. Um, has also worked uh, overseas with uh, Ramsey. Oh, really? Where he learned yes. technique. Did he learn to headbutt? I don't know. We have to ask him. Did he learn to swear? Maybe. Maybe. Yes. He, we, he might have. But um, he's, uh, he's got some things on the boil. Yes. Which he might divulge to us later on mm. during the show. But in the meantime, uh, we're going to have a chat to him about... Winter and food and, you know, it's just, it's, it's about the vibe, I suppose. The, yes. winter, the winter vibe. So that's what's on the show. Uh, we are also looking at um, some events that are happening. There's, a, there's an art event. And it's interesting when art and science coalesce mm. into a glorious thing. Yes. Um, there's, uh, how would we, we put it as a movement, shall we say? A mm. festival, I suppose, would be mm. would be better because it's more correct. Uh, Art plus climate equals change. Two thousand fifteen. We're talking about a festival uh, of climate change related arts and ideas. Mm. 
presented by Climate. Um, there's an exhibition that's happening at CCP, Centre of Contemporary Photography. Mm-hmm. It used to be on Johnson Street. I'm not quite sure where it is now. I was mm-hmm. supposed to go to this exhibition, but I haven't been able to get to it. But um, there's uh, some interesting things happening that uh, we'll, well, we'll get into a, a little bit later. But that mm. works in that this art exhibition... Uh, it coincides with uh, a rather interesting thing that's happening, which is um, a gene bank that uh, was opened last year in Horsham. We're going to be talking to Dr. Sally Norton mm. uh, about that, as well as directing you to this exhibition. So, yes. you know, us inner city latte sipping elites. Oops, did I spill my Chardonnay? Oopsie. Um, can um, an interface... Yes. No, no, come and see this exhibition because it's it's kind of interesting mm. and uh, there's some really great uh, pieces that are there. But also we want to talk to Dr. Sally Norton about why is a gene bank – why do you have like a big esky in the middle of Horsham with a, with a building around it with a whole bunch of seeds? What is that all about? Yes. There's the question yeah. I posed to you. Yes. 12.08 here on 3 RFM. There's just a couple of things we wanted uh, – Matt and I wanted to have a chat about, didn't we? Touch points. Touch points. Um, it has been a big week. Uh, we do want to sort of, as we said, maybe steer away a little bit from... From the, the politic. Yes, the real yes. politic of mm-hmm. uh, life in this world. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to have our head completely under the doona. No. Even though it's a nice place to be. Just and mostly under the doona this week. Yes. Mm-hmm. And again, those that are there on their Sunday that still have their their bodies under the doona, good on you. Good on you. <laughs> Um, but we have to um, probably just make a quick reference to the fact that Four Corners had a very interesting report this week. Yes, indeed. Um, a, an episode called Slaving Away, mm-hmm. where it would appear that parts, and I do say parts of our food industry, um, seem to be underpinned by undercapitalised. No, it's not. Oh, Slave labour. All right. I think that's the right phrase. Right. Yeah, yeah. Un- un- underpaid, mistreated uh, employees with very little in the way of rights. There you go. Yeah. Um, it exists. But uh, there are heaps of farmers that do things the right way. Yes. That should be acknowledged first. You can't all be tarred by that brush. No. But it would seem to be, seem to us that a lot of people that supply to our major supermarkets, not just the duopoly mm. that we sort of talk about off and on, Yes, um, has been underpinned by... Yeah, slave labour uh, and some terrible things. If you haven't seen that report, it is eye-opening. We'll be keeping an eye on it. It's funny that there was a real hoo-ha at the beginning of the week. Yes. I just hope that it just doesn't... The new cycle hopefully doesn't evaporate too quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah it'll be interesting to see the ramifications of this. And it's not yes. as if this has been unprecedented in this country. No. That you can say that the sugar industry was built on blackbirded labour, I mm. think was the term that was used for... Mm. Um, it was a euphemism for slave labour. Mm. Anyway. Um, there's a lot great that goes on in agriculture, but we should keep an eye on this. Yes. And we shall. Agreed. Uh, the MV Geelong Star. Uh, is, yeah. this, is this another super trawler, Cam? This is a, a slightly did... smaller super trawler because um, the Majerus that was here, which I think was also, was that called the Geelong? No, they, they, they renamed that? it the Abel Tasman or something like that <laughs> to, make, to make it friendly. I said, whilst it hoovered every living thing off the well, ocean that, bed. It was, it was proposed that it would. And um, so a slightly smaller uh, ship, the renamed Geelong Star, 95 yes. metre long, um, has gotten into a bit of trouble in the fact that maybe it should be renamed the, uh, the MV Dolphin Killer. Uh, and that's not good. <laughs> no. And that's not good. No. And um, if I was uh, one of the shareholders in the company that brought this out, I'd be pretty nervous yes. right now. Um, and I don't know. I guess another thing, we just say we await further developments. Yes. Of this if you've not heard of it, maybe just Google it. What do you feel about big factory ships coming in? Well, it's a motive issue, isn't it? It is, and I guess you know, you, can't, you can't say it's blanket bad because we all eat a lot of fish. And, and there's small. And, and how do you sort of equate the whole thing? Is it's okay for a whole bunch of little ships to come and mm. take the same sort of fish? but we view the fact that one big ship going through is a bad thing. I guess sustainability is the key. If, 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 it's, not, if it's able to uh, be sustained long term, then you can't just say, well, that's bad, I don't like it. But, you know, it's a complex issue, obviously. We'll see what happens. Yeah, mm. I'm, I'm sure there'll be people looking at these nets that try not to get dolphins in them. Yes, I, try, I, try I and avoid imagine. the dolphins. 
I would imagine. Good thing. Twelve twelve three triple RFM on a more lighter story. Mm-hmm. Genetic modification was brought us and talked about Franken foods. Yes, I have seen something that horrifies me. Really? Yes, I see something. It seems a bit Franken foodish, and it seems like when dogs lie with cats, when when something goes so wrong, and there's something wrong with the world when you have. An announcement that Cadbury yes. are announcing a Vegemite-flavoured chocolate bar. Is this madness? So salty <laughs> and sweet. And i got to preface this by saying I don't really like Cadbury chocolate to begin with. Mm. I don't see how the addition of Vegemite is going to improve it. That <laughs> must, must be said. In a crazy way, there's sort of a precedent for this, and we've sort of been doing a lot of salted caramel, haven't we? Yes, no, it works totally. And the way that this thing seems to be is that it will be that great Cadbury chocolate we've come to know and love. With um, stop it, okay. I'm sorry, I took the ball and I ran with it. Um, but it's a caramel filling. Yes. All oh, right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So really? it's, it's like salted caramel, but with a little bit of Vegemite. Right. There will be, you know, the the marketeers at Kraft Foods high fiving each other with the amount of publicity this has generated. Because, as you said, it's just a it's just a brand tie in. It's the same company, Kraft and Cabri are the same thing. Yeah. Well, now, when when did these two come together as a as an entity? Uh, internationally, it was two thousand and ten. Two thousand and ten. Kraft bought Cabri, so we were wondering what other Franken foods you could, you know, maybe can you get one of those Kraft cheese sticks and dip it in some Heinz tomato sauce or something? That's the same company. Yeah. Well, this could be this could be the gateway for all sorts of crazy things to come out of the closet. Totally, yeah, and they could all taste equally as awful. I am looking forward to seeing the ad campaign though for this. Really, I don't know. Could be you know, <laughs> could be like you know Bruce in shorts and some you know a yakka shirt going you know. And I was thinking, I like the taste of Cadbury and I like my Vegemite, and I thought. What if we bring them together? Great stuff, Bruce. Brilliant. Yes. Brilliant, Barry. We should ask Mr. Capaldi about this because he's a man who knows about wacky flavour combinations. Crazy tastes. Yeah. Would he do it? Yeah. Would you do it? Wouldn't he? And you're going to bring out, what about the Kraft cheese stick and the train crash? Yeah. Train crash, <laughs> cheese stick, cheese day. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, anyway. Um, all right. So we've uh, we've mentioned that. That's uh, When's it supposed to come out? I think it's supposed to come out in June. Yeah. Oh, I won't be lining up. Yes, no. But sorry, we've just given all this space to it. So there's that. Um, and uh, have you got anything on the, the Nepalese dinner? Far more importantly. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Oh, no, here we go. We've done the we've done the silly story. Here's something that um, is a little bit more serious. Nepal got slammed, slammed the other week um, yeah. with avalanches and horrible weather. There's all. I mean, we won't go into you the know. displacement and grief if you've seen the news. It's bad. But here's some small thing you can do. Um, the Matteo and a few friends have set up a who's, uh, who's Matteo? Matteo, Melbourne restaurateur, owner of. Uh, Mateo's yes. eponymously named, <laughs> yes. apostrophe, it's mine. Yeah. Um, tables for a cause is uh, what they're setting up. So there's there's two aspects to this. If you're a um, a hospitality staff member or if you own a restaurant, you can actually donate um, a table at your restaurant to, uh, to tables for a cause or you can donate some kind of product or some kind of thing that some person would want. Yes. Um, and then the flip side is if you're like me or just a punter, you're a consumer, mm. you can go to Tables for a Cause and bid on all of those items that have been donated. And the good news is um, 100% of it goes through to uh, to the Nepalese uh, charities to try and improve the um, situation over there. Dare we say it that if you wanted more information, you could go to Mateo's website, uh, the, you can go Mateo's to restaurant? Tablesforacause.com. Tables for a cause. And we'll uh, tweet that so... Uh, oh, good on you. Yes. Okay, so Twittersphere people, look out for that one. That is happening. Um, we should get a move on. Um, I might tell you a little bit more about what's happening at CCP yes. in a bit, and then we will have Dr. Sally Norton, who's uh, in Horsham, yeah. and, um, and she's going to be talking about... Uh, Seeds and um, how they represent man's, no, humanity's um, ingenuity mm. and, uh, yeah, in agriculture. Anyway, 12, 16, 12, 17, time flies when you're having fun on a Sunday on Triple R. Triple R is the place you're at and... Gosh, it's nice to have you on this cold day. We're going to be speaking about winter foods mm. and... Uh, 
wow, how our, how the palate of uh, vegetables and things and fruit have changed uh, in this season and what we're looking forward to eating. And we're going to have a chat to Raymond and Nick, who are standing in the in the wings. And mm. Kent's here too, and he's ready to take your calls. We'd love to uh, have a chat to you on uh, on this Sunday. But in the meantime, I want to tell you about something that's going on. Uh, CCP, Centre for Contemporary Photography, 404 George Street, Fitzroy. Um, we have... Um, uh, exhibitions called In Debt, Saving Seeds goes from the 24th of April, time's past to the 21st of June uh, where we have a couple of articles who have sort of uh, responded to uh, the staff and the work of um, what's happening with um, the gene repository that's happening in Horsham so mm. we recommend that you go to that but we thought it's an interesting intersection when, when art and science and, well, humanities endeavours sort of seem to intersect in this wonderful Venn diagram. So let's go to the circle that talks about why we save seeds and uh, what's been happening in Horsham. And who is Dr Sally Norton anyway? Probably a good way to start. <laughs> Dr Sally Norton, welcome to 3RRR here in beautiful downtown Fitzroy, home of the Latte Sipping Elites. How are you? Good, thank you. How about you? Oh, look, we're really, really good. Um, we just thought we'd have a chat to you about what you're doing and maybe to start off you might describe what you do and maybe describe this building that was opened last year in Horsham. Yeah, so what we are, we are the Australian Grains Gene Bank. So we conserve seed of about 154,000 different types of grain crops. Hang about. What was that number? hundred and 154,000 different types. 150, wow, okay. That's yeah, a lot. So it is a lot. It is a lot. So what we do is we um, underpin the development of new grain crop varieties for Australia. So we bring in new sources of different types of seed that can be recombined by plant researchers and breeders around the country to develop the new plant varieties um, that are going to be more resilient to the changing environmental conditions that we're experiencing now and into the future. So uh, what you have here is sort of a it's a it's a collective of um, humanity's improving of seed stock due to selective breeding that possibly has taken place over well how long have we've had ag agriculture for what about four millenniums so four thousand years is that be would that be a correct assumption? Yeah, it is. So what we do is we have um, what you would call modern plant varieties, so varieties developed from modern agriculture, and we also have what you would call traditional or land-raised village varieties. And those particular varieties are very diverse and able to withstand a greater range of environmental conditions, so whether that be rainfall, nutrition, temperature, um, a whole host of things, pests and diseases. Yep, salinity. Yeah, salinity. They've mm. been developed to, um, I guess, inhabit very specific conditions in, in villages across the developing, country, developing countries around the world, principally. Um, so we have a, a, a very large number of those as well, and, and they're really important because they are sources of characteristics which are going to provide, um, I guess, the resilience of modern plant varieties. And, and, and Sorry, yeah. Sal, go on. You're on a roll. Beg your pardon. <laughs> That's right. And we also have um, what you call crop wild relatives, so they're the wild cousins. Um, so you wouldn't cultivate those using modern agriculture. They're not suited at all, but they are a tremendous wealth of, of characteristics for, for new plant varieties into the future. And, and what this does is this underpins the, uh, oh, maybe nature's anathema to mon monoculture. It does, yeah. So it, it underpins the development of grain crop varieties in Australia. So that's um, all of the crops you would see growing throughout Victoria, the grain crops. Yeah. So cereals, um, pulses, legumes, oil seeds, so the canola that goes into canola oil as well. Um, all of those sort of crops right through the tropical crops. So you've got your animal feed stocks, so you've got your sorghum. You've also got maize, so sweet corn and, and feed corn, um, right through to some of the more tropical beans, peanuts um, as well, and some of the millets, so quinoa, teff, uh, some of the, the superfoods, I guess, or the, the, the ancient grains, which are quite popular today. Out of curiosity, okay, so I'm just wondering if, uh, let's just take wheat. Um, for example, um, how diverse is the um, the seed stocks that are, are used for wheat within Victoria? Is there how many different varieties do we grow? 
Oh, there'll be hundreds of different hundreds. varieties. Hundreds. Okay. You could grow. And we've, we've got roughly about 60,000 different types of wheat in the seed bank itself. So 60,000? Wow. Yeah, so compared to the modern varieties that are out there, um, it's a, a huge number. But to, to, I guess the attributes that have come from those 60,000, they are filtering through into the varieties that are on, in the farmer's fields today. And so the and, – and what is the actual <clears> – the purpose, as you see it, for – um, this building, and I'd love for you to de- describe it in a sec. But, but what was the the reason? Why 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 is it there? Why does it exist? I guess the most efficient way for plant researchers and plant breeders to access um, new plant material and new, new different types of seeds to go into plant varieties is from a single resource, so a single repository, one seed bank. Um, so what we do with Australia, we have quite strict quarantine border in place. So there's, yes. there's very strict quarantine re, uh, rules in place for a reason. We, we're trying to protect our country from terrible pests and diseases we don't have here, which could decimate modern culture. So it's very expensive and timely to bring new plant plant material or seed material into the country. So it's imported once. It's, it's stored in the seed bank for long-term conditions, which means we can store seed for 50 years or 100 years and it will still be able to grow um, so that we can provide that material into those research programs. So we're bringing it in. It's a central resource. Everyone accesses the same source of the type of seed. Yep. Um, but we maintain it into the long term. So what we do is really important. You can have seed in a freezer, which is what we are. We're a minus 20 degree storage facility and we've got three big vaults or chambers, if you like. Sally, um, just to just to stop you, I might get you to move around a little bit. We're starting to lose your signal a bit. might be good just to... Um, just yeah, a bit better. Uh, I think so, yeah. I'll just look for Matt tonight. He's going... Sorry, Sal, go on. Yep. So we ha- what we do is we store the seed in, in minus 20 degrees. So it's very cold. Yes. Um, the colder you store the seed, the longer it will last um, for most plant species. For some, it's the complete opposite. Um, but we do that and we, we, we're continually growing plants out each year. So we grow about 3,500 different types of plants out each year and harvest fresh seed from that and store that. Wow. Um, and then we, we've, we're sending out around about 30,000 different types of seed a year around Australia, and that's to plant researchers and plant breeders across private and public research and breeding organisations. And we also send material overseas as well to, to support um, research and breeding in, in developing countries as well. And and there's, um, there's more than one of these um, seed banks in the world. Like there's one that I know, was it in Finland? Norway. No, Norway, yeah, that's Norway, right. Yes. Above the... Um, and, and this Arctic sort of beg, begs the question, because the one in Norway is actually above the Arctic Circle, so it's a very, very good place and to protect the seed. Um, how many others are there in the world? And um, I suppose the other question is, how do you make sure that you keep that minus 20 degrees? Okay, so around uh, the world, there are about 1,700 or more than 1,700 uh, formal seed banks or gene banks around the world. Mm. Um, a lot of those are very small um, and what you would probably call active sites. So they're actively maintaining seed that they're using um, in research and breeding programs. So for the larger gene banks like us, there's probably less than about 40 in the world that have more than about 100,000 different types of seed. Um, so And it's really a global network of what we do. We bring a lot of our material in from those other gene banks and vice versa. We send a lot of our material out to other gene banks. Um, the one in Norway at the Svalbard Global Seabolt, um, it's on Spitsbergen Island. It's a very long way to get there. Yes. Um, it's what you'll call a backup, and that, that's really the global final backup. That's, that's the ultimate backup where all of the world's agricultural plant diversity, so for grain crops, also for pasture species, whatever horticultural can also go in their tree seed as well. Um, that's the final, final backup. It is a very long way from anywhere. It's well above the proposed increase in seed level, uh, sea levels with... Um, the mountain and many ice caps, um, and it's basically bored into the side of a mountain, into the permafrost, uh, and it's yeah the final backup. So, so this is almost that. like a NORAD for good. It, it is really, <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah yeah wow. yeah. So that's uh, the ultimate yeah. So if something would happen to any of the other gene banks around the world, and I guess some of the um, upheaval in, in Syria is a classic example with Aleppo. Um, yes, that's got one of the most yeah. important seed banks in the world there. Um, nearly all of their material is backed up into Svalbard seed vaults. So, is the place in Aleppo still intact? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Gosh. Well, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's just an awful prospect, even just contemplating what is happening in Aleppo. And it should be mentioned that um, through the ages there has been some incredible acts of nobility. And um, we were talking about what happened in Saint Petersburg. Do you want to 
quickly tell about that story that happened during the Second World War? Yeah, well, the scientists that were responsible for the Vavilov um, seed collection now, it's known as the Vavilov collection in St. Petersburg, the scientists there basically starved to protect the, the, the seed stocks there. Cause they, they, they were under siege for, I think it was two years by the Germans, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, and so they basically starved to protect the resources because they could see the value of that uh, for humankind, basically, the, the immense value of the collection of seeds that were there. A noble act of humanity, and I'd say that the whole thing underpinning what you're doing is it's a fairly noble act too. And you think about all the generations of people that have contributed, of, of humanity, have uh, contributed to this precious cargo that um, you're entrusted with, and I'm, I think it's just an extraordinary thing. Yeah, it is. it's an amazing thing, and it, it's... Um Last year we got the opportunity, myself and, and a few colleagues from around Australia, got the opportunity to travel up to Svalbard. Um, and I guess there it really was really rammed home, I guess, that you walk down um, the, into the chambers and you're walking around all of the seeds, and that's seeds from everywhere in the world. Yeah. Um, and that, that's an amazing feeling to actually see, basically, the, the source of seed that's been responsible for pretty much a lot of the modern agricultural plant varieties, but also the important traditional varieties that go back potentially tens of thousands of years. Amazing. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's incredible, yeah. Now, the public can um, can come along. You have got public tours if you want to come and, and have a look. Um, uh, go to the website. What's the best way to, to do that? Um, so the, the best option would be go to, go to the Victorian Government Info um, website really? and then through them uh, make a, I guess, an inquiry to me directly. So you can go through them to get to me and then, yeah, we can coordinate and organise a time that is suitable to, to everyone. So... Um, some of what we do is community outreach or citizen science. We're trying to really inform people of the value of what we do and how it links through the scientific chain, so that it's, you know, whether it's through to biotechnology, whether it be to traditional plant breeding, um, just general research and breeding programs. So we have a, a, a lot of interaction with, with different community groups and, and um, organisations to actually really try and increase the understanding of what agricultural science actually is and how it relates to food on the table ultimately. Done. Hey, and uh, last thirty seconds. We've got the. Um, we're we're also. This is uh, inter um, inter interlaced with uh, uh, this exhibition that's happening in Melbourne. Did you get to meet these artists as they came through? Yes. Yeah, so Steve Riles, photographer, and Dave Jones, the animator, spent um, a couple of weeks each, all up, I guess, um, in the gene bank itself, and, and having a look at what we do and seeing what we do. Yep. And documenting their response to that. So with Steve, obviously, some some photographs. And with um, Dave, some animations which are truly amazing. So, and we can see these at uh, CCP in beautiful downtown George Street, Fitzroy, four hundred four George Street. Um, have you gone down to see the exhibition yourself? Um, no, I haven't had the chance to get over to no, Melbourne since it opened, but I will be there next week. And oh, it is opening oh. actually in the Horsham Regional Art Gallery on the twenty ninth of May. There you go. Um, and through there, there's the opportunity to tour the team bank with that group. Um, and I believe there's a meet the scientists with me one of the weekends as well. <laughs> So, art, agriculture, a big esky in Horsham, and it's a good thing. It's an excellent thing. No, I don't mean to belittle it at all. Congratulations on what you do, um, and, um, yeah, look forward to meeting you and maybe getting up there at some stage. Yep, more than welcome. Thank you. Dr Sally Norton. Thank you. Yeah, she's from beautiful downtown Horsham. Horsham. Oh, what a great thing. Totally. Yeah, really great. My God, and you just, yeah, just think the... Around the world, we mm. we are a human species. Somewhere, mm. not just made up of just these different interests. Yes, twelve thirty-two. It's winter time. Uh, we got a couple groovy chefs, but uh, here's something new from Blah. 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 That's blur, all right, isn't it? It's blur. That's got to be blur. It's dull, and it's oh. just finished. An abrupt ending there. Oh, he's just said, I'm oh, bugger this. I'm, yeah. I'm out of here now. Did you get that? Did you get it? All right, that'll be do it. Uh, 12.37, 3RRR. Edith's the name of the show. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday. Hope you're warm. Hope you're good. Uh, and speaking of warm hearts and happy happiness, Raymond Capaldi, how are you? Very happy. Look at you, yeah, you're beaming. <laughs> Do you not see I'm a 20 years younger now that I've not got a business? Yeah, it's incredible. We, um, we've released. seen, after five five years at Heron Grace? Five years at Heron Grace, came to an end last Friday, so mm. all good. All it was good. It was a good time to end. Allgood.com, left the yeah. stove, I keep, get, yeah, I keep getting all these people saying, oh, I feel very sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? 
Sorry for me. Don't feel sorry for me. Uh, I'm the happiest man alive. You can you not sing? Oh yeah, I, I can tell. My God. So, um, so the thing is, you you walked away from the stoves to, yeah. to lock that door. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose first obvious question: What's going to happen with that space? Well, that's, that space is now uh, closed for about two years. We, we, they two years? Yeah, they want us to come back, but they, uh, there's massive big refurbishments. Another tower where the outside uh, uh, drinking was, massive big t- a big tower, i say about five or five levels, six levels. Oh, what and a then, shame. Yeah, so it's got to be a massive big uh, food, food court. And I don't want to dwell on this yeah. too much because, it, look, some amazing things happened within yeah. that restaurant, and yeah. I've had just... So some of the, the meals that I've had with you have been almost religious experiences, to be honest. But one of the things from an outlook point of view, nighttime, you yeah. walk out there and you have the Rialto reflected yeah. in that other building. Yeah. I think it's the ICI building. Yeah, it says, you won't yeah. see that anymore. Yeah. I won't see that anymore. Oh, no, no. It's a bit of a shame. It's anyway, gone. anyway, what the hell? It do, that, that doesn't matter. So um, the obvious question before we move on to the fact that it is winter and what we're eating yeah. and all that sort of stuff is... What do you want to do? What do I want? Plans. What do you want to do? Oh, I've, I've got so much thing. Fishing I'm, I'm more busy. Well, I was actually going to retire to Port Douglas, but now I've decided that I've got that much things going on. You're going to go to Port Douglas? I was going to go to Port Douglas and sit by and drink some coconut. Oh, that's right. You weren't going to go. I can, I can imagine that, you yeah. living in Port Douglas, isn't it? I can. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> I can. So, uh, so a walk along Four Mile Beach. And yeah, beautiful. Maybe, maybe go out to the I've got reef. some of my, the most beautiful memories in, in life uh, walking along there. But me too. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Sens- sensational. I just, I just love the place. It's just, uh, it's got a special meaning to me. That place. It's a nice place, and it's, uh, it's good to escape Cairns. Although yeah. there is, there is a place called. Uh, have you ever been to a place called Nunu on? Uh, yeah, Nunu, fantastic. Nick Pam Cove. He's yeah, mad. Nick, Nick Hollands, Hollandsworth. Holloway. 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 You guys yeah. are sort of kindred spirits. Yeah, yeah. It was, in, it was, in a way. Yeah, it could be. I could go up there, but you know, I've, I've got. I'm up there on the t- taste of uh, Port Douglas uh, in August, so that'd be good. Kick back. You bastard. Yeah. Tasted bloody good. Wangled that one. Yeah, yeah, not bad, not bad. Well, we might have to ask our our guest whether he's been invited to a taste of Port Douglas. Pass me another mud crab. Um, But uh, before we do that, Maddie, did you want to play a commercial and just get out out the way? Yeah, so we just take a quick break. Commercial sponsorship announcement. What am I saying? Yeah, sponsorship announcement. Indeed. We'll be back after this. Kip. 12.40, 12.40, Triple R, we've been speaking to Raymond, who's uh, left his home in uh, Kingsway, and uh, to join us to talk about the winter vibe and all that sort of stuff. Nick Stanton, how are you? Very well. Hello, everyone. It's great to have you on. Cheers. We've been hearing your name, or oh, I've been hearing your name for ugh, quite a few months now, um, work that you were doing in New Amsterdam. Yes, yeah. Yep, I was at New Amsterdam at the start, yeah, it was... It was good times. It was, um, that was just across the road from Yost's place, wasn't it? Yeah, it was siloed and they changed their name to... Brothel. Brothel, that's right. Yeah, went to, went yeah. to Brothel. But uh, um, you've come from an interesting sort of cooking background where you, like a lot of us, we looked over to Europe for inspiration yeah. and to, to be trained in the classics. And that's what you did. And you went and worked with old Crater Forehead uh, for a while. He of yeah. the, the the Ramsey fame, I've got to just get it out of the way. What was he like to work with? What did you great. learn from him? He's great. I technique, I would imagine. Technique. Learn learn how to cook. I think. I learned I, how to I, cook. What I, a good answer. Pr- pretty much. When I went over there, when I was nineteen, I qualified as a chef. Thought I knew everything. I actually had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, learning learning the the basics and the the classic way of cooking. Learning how to cook a duck breast. Learning how to cook a piece of fish—it's, you know, the the important things about being a chef, and and that's that's what I learned out of working for that company, which is really good. What was the name of the company? Gordon Ramsay Holdings. G- Gordon Ramsay Holdings. Yes. Right. <laughs> okay. And uh, and and so where did where did this take you in in your your European sort of odyssey? Would tell us, give us an idea of sort of the the places you worked. Was it big places, small places? There were smaller ones. Um, it's not the within the company. There was there were some really big restaurants, but I I, I stuck with like the, the small ones, like you know eighty seaters. I want the small bespoke experience. Is that what you're sort of going for, yeah. rather than I'm going to put a, a cherry tomato on this 
thing of dishes that go and follow the curvature of the earth. Yeah? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, so, and, um, so you, how long did you work with Ramsey for? Um, all up, it was about three years. And three was, years, yeah, wow. I was, the reason I moved to Melbourne as well was to help set up Maze and be a part of that one at the Crown. Yes. So, so yeah, that was, yeah, I wasn't there for too long, obviously wasn't. Was that John Lawson who was in? Yeah, as well? yeah, yeah. yeah. So, he's a nice guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's a great, great chef. John, if you're listening, really, really good chef. He um, and he's got number eight by John Lawson now, which is doing really, really well. And um, he's Nick's looking at me, going, "Why are you giving me a peace symbol?" No, no, two hats now, and two hats. One hat. Oh, it's a one hat. On the I one thought, hat. Yeah. Oh, so thank you, Raymond. Yeah. Bring us back to yeah. the. No, not that I watch out for the hats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not that I care about hats. Oh, but about this. One yeah. hat. I th- yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, congrats. <laughs> anyway, lovely guy. So, um, and New Amsterdam was uh, was a, a very, very interesting place where you were given. Was that one of the first places you were actually given your head, and you were the head chef, and just said go? Uh, I was at the Woods of Windsor before Woods of Windsor that. Before, yeah. Um, with Clinton Dino, also have Yellowbird, which is a great, great bar on mm. Chapel Street. It's been there for about eight years now, actually. It's um, and. Uh, yeah, I set up with uh, Clinton Dean. Yeah, uh, was, that was my first head chef job. So, yeah, that was a how'd that it was, feel? It was, a, it was a big step. It was I bet it was, I was I was pretty nervous, and I was yeah, it was, it was great though. It was mm. we we um we had a great time at the woods, and um, especially Chapel Street at that time in Windsor. There it was up and coming. There wasn't. There, there was that real feeling well, that, that that's thing, something like, was going on. Yeah, we thought you know when when we when we set up the woods, we thought yeah. Windsor is becoming a really food, yeah. it's becoming a food destination now. It's going to be great. We thought, yep, but it's actually just happening now. Yeah, right. Windsor is really starting to pop up. There's restaurants. Like if you, two, you'd say about two two years ago, you walk up Chapel Street and it's still a lot of retail, a lot of hair salons and stuff. You look there now, there's just restaurants everywhere. And, and it's, it's great. There's, there's great foot traffic and, you know, there's people, there's, it's a really good buzzy vibe going on in Windsor. Can I great. make an assumption, and you can tell me whether I'm right or I'm wrong? Uh, Chapel Street, you know, goes from you know Alexandra Avenue all the way to Dandenong Road. And as you would go towards Dandenong Road, the rents would progressively get cheaper, and Windsor would be as an up and coming area. That's where the cheaper rents were, so that's where you get innovation in food. So I mean, the same thing happened with Smith Street um, mm. a few years ago, mm. that where the cheap rents yep. were, that's where people have are able, the innovators, young innovators mm. get are able to get a foothold. And this is what we're seeing with, with Windsor? Yeah. I, to an extent? I don't think it's a cheap area for, for rent. I yeah, really, forget it. Okay. Uh, Cam, you're labouring under a misapprehension there, my it, friend. It is, it is really expensive and it's... Um, yeah. It's, there was it, a study done that the, the rents there were more expensive than New York. Yeah. In Chapel Street. Get out Yeah, of that's here. true. Really? The rents were more expensive in New York. Wow. In Chapel Street. That was, that, was, that was a study done two years ago. Okay. So it was, and that's why a lot of places were closing down, because mm. the, the, the rents were astronomical. Yeah, and right. was going there. And I, I suppose that's one of the things we hear a lot about is the, well, just how the rents have forced people yeah. out of business in, in a lot crazy. of places. I just, I just can't see. I mean, a lot of landlords get greedy instead of just being, yeah. you know, supportive. But that was one mm. thing about uh, us uh, here in Grace. The, the Rialto people were uh, very supportive in that. They were great landlords, and that's yeah. why it worked, you know. Well, there was a wonderful halo effect by having you down there on the bottom, I would say. Yeah, that, that, that yeah. as well. But, you know, the, the landlords, the St. Martins and Grolos, they, 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 they really helped us. Yeah. Sensational. All right, well, we need to move on to the topic at hand because we, we did promise that we were going to talk about food today on the show. It feels like winter today. It's, and, it, and it's, dare I say it, it's a, oh, it's a bit of a glorious feeling to wait. I woke up with the sound of rain on the, on the window and I'm, how good is that? Oh, it's cold. It's cold when you, you know, and that's feeling when you're actually, you're snug in yeah. the bed and you got that sound. I've got a little cat purring beside me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, free kick. I've just, um, you've just got the stab pass from uh, the flank and tell us, winter, what, what does it mean to you? Raymond, you want to start it off? 
Went in with lots of brazes, you know, and, and the brazes don't need to be heavy, you know, just beautiful brazes, beautiful quince, mm. you know, uh, beautiful Brussels sprouts, you know. It just all that, all that is. It's, it's like winter for me is like you can put on great clothes as well that you can't hmm. wear in summer, yeah. and it's like food you can eat the the best food, you know. Whereas summers, light, yeah, it's all, it's all about you can't, you know, you want to be light and you want to keep the flavour in, in in the food quick. But these dishes that you uh, the braised dishes, there's a lot of technique goes in there and the depth and, and trying to get the flavour out of the meats. It's just it's all about the braise and all the beautiful roasted vegetables. You can't just can't beat it. I mean, a carrot simply roasted in the oven. A nice bit of sea salt, a little bit of uh, fat from the from the from the beef, mm. and then a little bit of beef stew. Perfect. Mm. You know, it doesn't need to be heavy. You know, but all that just roasting the the sugars. Lovely. And I've just been watching Nick. Nick just has just been going nod, nod, <laughs> nod, <laughs> nod, nod, nod. I think. I what think, do you reckon? I think. Well, a lot of chefs will agree. I think as a chef, winter is definitely the. It's my favourite time to cook. Well, it's, so, a, it's a better time to be in the kitchen for a yeah, start, isn't it? Because well, it's warm. As, as, as Ray was saying, like, you know, braises and, you know, it's a lot of slow cooking. And also, like, you've got your game season as well. So, and you've got your mushroom season, wild mushrooms come in. And there's, there's a lot of fun things to cook. Um, and, yeah, slow, slow cooked food is, is easily my favourite thing to eat. Um, you know, from ox cheeks to briskets and, you know, yeah. even it's, it's, yeah, comfort food. Comfort food is the best food. And I like the way, Raymond, what you said is that a braise doesn't need to be a heavy old no, thing either. No, it doesn't. And you maybe might just sort of kick that along mm. a little bit. So and how, how good's mash in winter? For some reason, just, yeah. for some reason, mash tastes better in winter. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why. All right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> All right. So you've, you've, uh, you've brought that up. Let's talk very quickly about the secret to a beautiful mash. We're going to invite people to give a call too. 93881027. We haven't had a chance to talk to you much this year. You want to give us a ring and tell us what you're doing, what you like. Um, look, it's free kicks all around, you know. This is just before the download comes on and takes to the field. Uh, but mashed potato. Um, first of all, Nick, your ideas on a perfect mashed potato, and then I'd love you to respond too, if that's all right. Yes. Well, it's one of uh, a chef, uh, one of my old head chefs, Nathan Johnson. He actually said to me, "You can always, he always used to say this this to me. You can always judge a chef by the way he makes his mashed potato." <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> and um, rock salt. Yeah. Baked in the oven. You Not bake peel. the rock salt? Bake, you bake them on rock salt oh, in the oven. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. So they go nice and soft because it takes the moisture out of them. Uh, so you don't want... you want. Are they, are they peeled? Sorry. No, not no peeled. No peeled. Okay, Just so... Straight straight on the rock salt in the oven. Gotcha. Desiree potatoes. Desiree. Um, and then from, from that point, you've got to double glove it and yeah. cut the potatoes in half when they're piping hot. Yeah, yeah. Then you put them through the morley. So there's, then, there's pain involved here. There's, so oh, there's yeah. suffering. It's, there is. There's a lot of work into a good, a good, I'd say, pom puree yeah, rather than mash. Yeah. Um, and the, the, yeah, cut the potatoes cut in, half, in half. Through the morley, back on the stove, and you've got uh, 50-50 cream of milk. Can, can you pass it through a ricer? Is that cool too? Uh, well, there's the next stage you do All after right. that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Morley first, back so, on the so stove. So, you've got Morley back on the stove, then you've got your hot milk and cream mix, and yes. you've got diced cold butter. Uh, I work diced potato cream. like an emulsion, so you've got to put the yeah. cold cube butter, you've got yes. to work it into the potato, yeah. work the starch, go, go. add your cream, season it so it's nice and creamy, and then you put it through a drum sieve. A drum sieve. Yeah. Wow. So that that's the next stage. So drum sieve, pass it through the drum sieve so it goes nice and nice and smooth, gets everything out of it, and then yep. there's there's your your pompure. Your better. thoughts, Raymond? Yeah, I wouldn't put it through the mule, I put it through the drum sieve right away. But the, yes. yeah next to uh, right in what we're saying, you got you gotta bake them. A lot of people put them in you water and it's them. just it's just adding water. It's like yeah. it's like pasta, you cook it in water and then you, you, you run it under water to cool it down. You should never do that. Yeah, what happens then? It's it's all so, you know, it's all about sh- shortcutting and for me it's it's cutting out the, the techniques. And again for your butter, you know, uh, uh, Tuscan blues are the best for me. Potatoes and 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 they're very good and it gives a nice yellow colour. Yeah, you know what I mean. They're good for chips too. Yeah, good for chips. Chips. But again, if you're doing that on the on the tray with the salt, 
put a, a circle round the middle of the potato so that when it comes to cutting them, it's all about straightening that middle and cutting them quick. And because it's all, it's very quick. You got to do these potatoes quick. If it if it cools yeah. down, the gluten's yeah. setting in. Yeah, it's like glue. You're like trying, clag glue. You're trying to keep that it is light. awful too. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. Is, yeah, that is really awful. Now here's uh, one of the the secrets that uh, that our chefs have just let. <laughs> Devolve. It just there you saw it. It was like the glimpse of someone's ankle in the old days. Oh, I saw that. Um, it was the fact of very cold butter. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? When you're using that, and you can use that in so many different things. Can you not? Yes. Should we take that and just sort of kick that along? So you're throwing cold butter because it emulsifies in, yeah. and dare I say it, this gives a beautiful flavour and a gloss yeah. to the dish. That's one of the things, yeah. but you can do that in so many other things, can't you? Definitely. Butter is the best thing for you. You know, a lot of people go on about butter. It's the, it's, it's natural. It's a natural ingredient. It goes through your body natural. So, butter's fantastic. A bit different from uh, hydrogenated vegetable oils, aka margarine or margarine. Yes, uh, two enzymes away from plastic. Indeed, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, yes, you can either have your old uh, margarine. It's two enzymes away from plastic. Say it again. Yeah, yeah. And uh, or you can have your pure. Or natural. Everything natural is good for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're inviting people to give us a ring and just say hello, tell us what they're doing, but um, oh, you haven't really felt like doing it. No one that. has yet. Kent's weeping Can't believe it. quietly <laughs> in the corner. I could, I've given up my Sunday for you for yeah. this. Um, but, you know, that's a beer as it is. Nick, you um, introduced an interesting thing. We've got about six minutes left. I thought maybe we might have a chat about this. You said, Cam, I can't wait to come on the show, but what about... Best food experience, worst food experience. True. Go so on. It's a, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good topic. Yeah, yeah, come on. I'd say my best food experience was when I was in Barcelona. Barcelona? Yeah. Sitting in the, the, the markets on La Rumblers. I can never pronounce it yeah. properly, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and razor clams. Razor clams. Yeah. Razor clams. Like, this guy cooked them on a... Charcoal grill mm-hmm. till they just open up, and he put some olive oil over the top of it, and yeah. he sprinkled parsley. There's parsley just all over the plate, like it was the messiest looking thing. <laughs> he, actually, he got some into the razor yeah, clam. Yeah, okay, got it. He just got just a tiny bit. The rest was all over the place. But I never forget it sitting there, and this razor clam, like it was cooked to absolute perfection. Like it's, I've never had anything as good as this razor clam that day. And it was so the, that was definitely the, my the best protein was cooked through, but it, there was no way that it was getting tough or anything like that. Would no. that be a correct way? Yeah, exactly. It was just cooked to perfection. Did the, the razor so, clams? Have you had, had a razor clam before? I have. Yeah, they, just, the, they open up, and it's just there's so much meat inside that that shell. It's just incredible and divine. Raymond, yep. best meal. It's got to be uh, when I was about uh, seven, eight, so eight year old in the Ostend. Eight year and old. And my father took me, my father and mother took me down to the, the harbour side of the, uh, in Ostend. Yes. And they've got these big vats. They cook the big whelks and they had pepper sauce with oh, it. Yeah. And that experience I've tried to capture yeah. in, in lots of dishes. We can't get whelks here, which is a, a shame because it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful shellfish. Different you know? from a cockle. Yeah, much bigger. A bigger, much bigger. So like, a big, like, like this big meaty snail, you know. But wow. it's just, it's just beautiful. And, and a, in, a, in yeah, a pepper sauce. Yeah, in a pepper sauce, and it was just right on the harbour side in these big vats, and you just can't experience. It. It's just, it's just one Gee, of these. Gee, isn't this interesting? So we're not talking no. about a station, We're not talking about a no. Michelin star. Okay, here's no. mine. You want to hear mine no. real yeah. quickly? Um, cans. Back to not Port yeah. Douglas, but yeah. Cairns near the estuaries. Yeah. Um, a mate of mine and I uh, went. Actually, a few of us went out in a tinny. Just went and just around the mangroves, and we yeah. found this area that just had like a humpy, and it had a pot. And we built a fire. We put out pots. We went and harvested mud crabs, and uh, Ralph had made uh, a mayonnaise, and we had lemons, and we had a pepper mill. That's it. And that Beautiful. was it. Beautiful. It, and it was just this profound experience of just yeah. getting mud crabs, um, you know, the right ones, yeah, and, yeah. and just eating them. Matt, over to you. What your best food experience? I'm going to turn it right around and just do the traditional. You said no one's talking degustation, no one's talking chef's tasting menus, but for me, Whom? the first time I was ever in New York City, we'd worked really hard on the phones to try and get a reservation at Per Se. Yes. And we got in. Uh, I think we got like a 10 oh, p.m. booking on a Wednesday, wow. and I was just... It was, uh, <laughs> and it was just one of those uh, meals where everything was in its place. I actually don't even remember many of the courses, but I do remember walking down Broadway at about 1 a.m. after the best meal of my life with the sound of the of the New York subway, just like the, 
And uh, then on a corner there was just a, a saxophone busker just tootling yeah. away to no one. It was amazing. I am here. All right, we've got... Uh, can we do the, the worst experiences very quickly? These are Reader's Digest ones. The worst. You All brought right. it up. Come All on, right. deal All it right. out. Sorry, Nana. Love you. Nana! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nana. So, um, the old-fashioned Australian beef stew. Dust it in flour, you know, roast it off. Heaps yeah. of vegetables, yeah. you know, it's sloppy, you know, sometimes it's too dry, sometimes it's, you know, it's a, it's a bit all over the place, but you love it. Yeah. It's what you grow up on, and, you know, lumpy mash. Yes. Of course. Yeah, it's yeah. A little bit of skin floating around in there, but, you know, it's great. It's, it's what you grow up on. And, um, yeah, I always got excited for Nana's stew, and this one time the stew came down, I'm like, yes, dinner time, can't yeah. wait to eat it. And I'm like, <sighs> eating it, I'm like, this tastes like custard. I'm like, what's going on here? And it turns out poor old Nana's dusted the meat in custard powder instead of pine flour. But, yeah, that's unfortunate. But the stew was good. The next one after that was, was beautiful. She got it right. Raven, the worst? It's got to be st- school meals, uh, you know, like the Brussels sprouts, you know? Yeah. Always undercooked, the Brussels sprouts. But school meals, it's got to be the worst, you know? Yeah. Yeah, easy peasy. Maddie? Oh, I had a, um, an experience in Sydney on New Year's Day a few years back where you just walked into a pub and we'd ordered, and it was after we'd ordered, we just looked around and thought, this isn't going to be good because the plates were stacked <laughs> up on empty tables. It was just, it was, it was awful. Wow. Don't go to a Sydney pub on New Year's Day. <laughs> uh, Paris for me, uh, my first meal experience in Paris where I realised I was being ripped off because I went to a restaurant called... D'Artagnan's and uh, <laughs> while I was going to the toilet I had a glimpse of the kitchen I just went oh that's not right and um, and I had a rack of lamb rack of mutton oh, it was just, anyway it was disgusting uh, delightful to see you guys Nick we need to see more of you on the air and have longer chats with you Raymond you know you're always welcome yeah. here no one rang sorry Kent um, the down low is on Coming up next. Footscray St Kilda game, I think they went to. Anyway, you, you'll find out about that. What did they eat at the football? How was the hot dogs? Uh, these questions and more will be answered mm. with the download that's happening in about, ooh, three seconds. Let's go. Out of here. Thanks, guys. Nice to meet you, Thank Nick. You. Thank, Thank you, Raymond. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Kent. Thank you all. See you next week. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.